Alright, so, it's me, and I just thought, since I'm doing Univision, what it sounds like to be me, or what I, sorry, how am I phrasing this, what it, what, how do you, I phrase, oh my god, it's like, what do I sound like when I'm reading this stuff out aloud, so yeah, basically, um, it's, uh, the book is called, let me, let me just uh, read out the title, it is Molecular Biology of the Cell, the 6th edition. And we're on page 175, uh, the second paragraph. The structure and function of DNA. Here we go. Biologists... Bio ah, see, already gone. Alright, so bio biologists in the 1940s had difficulty in conceiving how DNA could be the genetic material. Okay. Um, the molecules seem too simple. A long polymer composed of only four types of nucleotide subunits, which resemble one another chemically. Early in the 1950s, DNA was examined by X-ray diffraction and analysis, a technique, uh, a technique for determining the three-dimensional atomic structure of a molecule. Um, the early X-ray diffraction results indicated that DNA was composed of two strands of the polymer wound into a helix. The observation that DNA was double-stranded provided one of the major clues that led to the Watson-Crick model for the DNA structure. That, as soon as it was proposed in 1953, made DNA's potential for replication and information storage apparent. Okay, so basically what they're saying is... Um, so when they did x-ray diffraction analysis, a technique to determine, wait, let me get a sheet of paper, hold on, um, it's, wait, let me just get a sheet of paper, alright, so do I really need to make notes on this, I can, I guess, just briefly slot it in, alright, um, let me just get this piece of paper here, okay, get the pen, and here we go. Okay, so the structure and function of DNA. Let me just write the title. Structure. Okay, so uh, we can say that DNA used X-ray diffraction to find 3D. Structure. Um, X-ray results showed two strands. Two strands is a double helix. Um, Okay, so I'm going to leave out the part where it says that it made DNA's potential for application and information storage apparent. We'll move on to the next paragraph, third paragraph, bottom of the page. Um, a DNA molecule consists of two complementary chains of nucleotides. Here we go. A deoxyribonucleic acid DNA molecule consists of two long polynucleotide chains composed of four types of nucleotide subunits. Each of these chains is known as a DNA chain or a DNA strand. The chains run anti-parallel to each other, and hydrogen bonds between base portions of the nucleotides hold the two chains together. Nucleotides are composed of a 5-carbon sugar, 
to which are attached one to which are attached one or more phosphate groups and a nitrogen containing base yes so uh, uh, a nucleotide on its own has a ribose or a well that's rna but dna has a deoxyribose sugar um and at the carbon 5 it has a phosphate group and at carbon Carbon 1, it has the base. Okay. Um, in, the case of, in the case of nucleotides in DNA, the sugar is deoxyribose. Again, yes. Uh, attached to a single phosphate group, hence the name deoxyribonucleic acid. I don't know how that's baiting it out, but okay. Sorry, yeah. Uh, and the base may either be... Or oh, sorry, in the book it says... And the base may be either... Adenine A, cytosine C, guanine G, or thymine T. Okay. The nucleotides are covalently linked. The nucleotides are covalently linked together in a chain through the sugars and phosphates, which thus form a, a backbone of alternating sugar phosphate, sugar phosphate. Yes, uh, because the way it is, uh, a phosphate can be attached to the uh carbon 3 and carbon 5 of two different sugars so on so the imagine you have a sandwich where the breads are sugars and the kind of stuffing in the middle would be the phosphate group and obviously on a penta sugar you have five carbons on either side um what the phosphate is the phosphate is attached to a five carbon on one of them and a three carbon on the other sugar Okay, that's how you kind of form this link, and what happens is that is repeated all through the strand, which creates this sugar phosphate, sugar phosphate, sugar phosphate, um, kind of like bonding, but we call it a backbone because that's what really forms the strand. That's what you have like a a rope, um, and then what you'll see is like the hydrogen bonds linking at the bases, uh, opposite each other act like rungs. So you have the you have the ropes, and then you have like the rungs. If that makes sense, I pro I'm really bad at kind of explaining, but but yeah, sorry. Okay, so covalent link sugar phosphate sugar phosphate. Okay, because only the base differs in each of the four types of nucleotide subunit. Each polynucleotide chain in DNA is analogous to a sugar phosphate necklace, the backbone, from which hang the four types of beads, the bases A, C, G, and T. These symbols A, C, G, and T. Uh, are commonly used to denote either the four bases or the four entire nucleotides. That is, the bases with their attached sugar and phosphate groups. Um, okay, so because only the base differs in each, uh, so in in each nucleotide, each polynucleotide chain in DNA is analogous to a sugar phosphate necklace. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, um, yeah, uh, I'm just going to kind of disregard that part because you have your backbone and each, um, I guess they're all the same, basically, essentially what it's saying is the kind of general structure of a nucleotide is all the same, the only thing that differs is, um, is what you call it is the base because bases you have ATCG um, and then you have your actual like chain of polynucleotides 
or, or sorry, of nucleotides, and it becomes a polynucleotide chain. Um, yeah, because, anyway, let me carry on. Um, okay, so the way in which nucleotides are linked together gives uh, a DNA strand gives a DNA strand a chemical polarity. If we think of each sugar as a block with a, protru- with a protruding knob, the 5' prime phosphate on one side, and a hole, the 3', hyd- three prime hydroxyl on the other, see figure 4.3, I will kind of describe that in a second, each completed chain, formed by interlocking knobs and holes, will have all of its subunits lined up in the same orientation. Moreover, the two ends of the chain will be easily distinguishable, as one has a hole, the 3' prime hydroxyl, and the other a knob, the 5' prime phosphate, at its terminus. Uh, This polarity in the DNA chain is indicated by referring to one end as a 3' prime end and the other as a 5' prime end. Names derived from the orientation of the deoxyribose sugar. With respect to DNA's... The page. With respect to DNA's information carrying capacity, the chain of nucleotides in a DNA strand, being both directional and linear, can be read in much the same way as the letters on this page. Okay, basically, here it's, um, I mean, in this here, uh, it's basically showing a diagram. Um, and this diagram shows that you have two strands uh, in a vertical manner. They are both opposite to each other. They are both anti-parallel. So they're both going in opposite directions, but they're parallel. Um, And then they have their bases in the middle, and each base is joined to its complementary base, uh, or its complementary base pair by uh, hydrogen bonds. And it shows the 5' prime end on one side and the 3' prime end on the other. And on the other uh, anti-parallel chain, it shows the... 5 prime end on one side and 3 prime end on the other. Um, if you think think of it like you have your left and your right, and yes, they're both parallel, because, but if you were to flip one, so one hand rotates 180 degrees, then yes, they are now anti-parallel, they're going past each other. Or one's going up and one's going down, they're both in different directions, yet they're parallel. Um, and what's joining them in between is their complementary base pairs, which is kind of like holding them together. And then another part of this diagram shows the, just the uh, this strand is kind of like wound together in a, in a double helix. Uh, it's the same thing, it's just that it's spun round and it's forming the uh, typical shape that we know to be DNA. Um, here there's a kind of little paragraph or caption for the picture. Figure 4.3. Um, DNA and its building blocks. DNA is made of four types of nucleotides which are linked covalently in a polynucleotide chain, a DNA strand, with a sugar phosphate backbone from which the bases A, C, G, and T extend. A DNA molecule is composed of two antiparallel DNA strands held together by hydrogen bonds between paired bases. The arrowheads at the ends of the DNA strands indicate the polarities. Yes, there are two kind of like little arrows. Uh, basically, they show the direction in which you're going to read the DNA. And the way you read DNA is from 5' prime to 3'. Prime. And obviously if they're anti-parallel, then you're going to read one strand up and one strand down, if that makes sense. Okay, so the arrowheads uh, indicate the polarities of the two strands. In the diagram at the bottom left of the figure, the DNA molecule is shown straightened out. In reality, it is a twisted double helix, as shown on the right. Yep. 
Um, okay, let me carry on reading. <clears throat> the three-dimensional structure... Sorry, I don't have to... Okay, I have another page, but anyway. Okay, so the three-dimensional structure of DNA, the DNA double helix, arises from the chemical and structural features of its two polynucleotide chains. Sorry, Because these two chains are held together by hydrogen bonding between the bases on the different strands, all the bases... Sorry. <clears throat> all the bases are on the inside of the double helix, and the sugar phosphate backbones are on the outside. Okay, if you think about, again, a ladder, how you have the rungs in the middle, the rungs are like the bases, and the sugar phosphate backbones are like the ropes on either side. If you were to start taking that, uh, like, ladder, I guess, if it was like a ropey ladder, or a ladder which you could then kind of twist round, you'd form a, helis, a helical structure where the rungs would be in the middle and then you have your two kind of like poles or strands on the outside. And they would kind of appear to be intertwining with each other, um, which is a kind of like a word that I like to use. And yeah, but anyway, um, carrying on. Okay, so because these two chains are held together by hydrogen bonding between the bases, on the different strands, all the bases on the inside and the sugar phosphate backbones on the outside. I've read that. In each case, a bulkier two-ring base, a purine, is paired with a single-ring base, a pyrimidine. A always pairs with T and C with G. This complementary base pairing enables the base pairs to be packed in the energetically most yeah, energetically most favorable arrangement in the interior of the double helix. This arrangement, sorry, in this arrangement, each base pair is of similar width, thus holding the sugar phosphate backbones at a constant distance apart along the DNA molecule. Um, yeah, so a pyrimidine always pairs with a purine. Um, and what this basically means is you have different types of base pairs. So yes, you have your... Adenine, thymine, cytosine, guanine, right? They are your ATCG. They are your four main bases. Apart from, we'll take out uracil in this case, because that's dealing with RNA. And the bases are put into two classes. You have purines and you have pyrimidines. Uh, now, this is based on their kind of... Uh, it's anatomy, you know, anatomy refers to humans, but it's like it's a structure, shall we say. And basically what this means is uh, you have one kind of ring with, uh, with uh, sorry, what do you have? You have one ring with pyrimidines. You have two rings with purines. Uh, now, the way I remember it is your pyrimidines are your thymine and your cytosine because they both have Ys. And pyrimidine, it's spelled P-Y. So your thymine is THY, so that's going to be a, a pyrimidine. And your cytosine, which is CY, is also a pyrimidine. So yeah, uh, your pyrimidine are single rings and your purines are double rings. And what you have, you always have a, a double ring paired with a single ring. So that's why you have A with T, C and G. Or kind of, that's how, uh, so that's not how they discovered it, but that's how you can kind of remember it, I guess. Um... Okay, um, yeah, so to maximize the efficiency of base pair packing, the two sugar phosphate backbones wind around each other to form a right-handed double helix with one complete turn every 10 base pairs. Okay, so uh, in at 
I guess 360 degrees equates to 10 base pairs, which is going to be 10, you know, ATCGs, I guess you could put it that way. Uh, the members of each base pair can fit together within the double helix only if the two strands of the helix are anti-parallel. That is, only if the polarity of one strand is, orient is oriented opposite to that of the other strand. Sorry, what? A consequence of DNA structure and base pairing requirements is that each strand of a DNA molecule com uh, contains a sequence of nucleotides that is exactly complementary to the nucleotide sequence of its partner strand. Okay, basically what it's saying is, in order for this to kind of work and like be put together and stuff like that, the strands have to be parallel, sorry, anti-parallel, um, because the base pairs are complementary to each other. And basically, if you then have them parallel, then they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be complementary. And the way you read them is going to kind of mess everything. Sorry, it's going to kind of mess everything up. So basically, you need them to be para anti-parallel. All right, there's another diagram here where it shows adenine and thymine and guanine and cytosine. Yeah, because ATCG. Alright, so um, an important thing to remember, um, adenine and thymine have two hydrogen bonds between them, whereas guanine and cytosine have three. So AT is two, CG is three. Um, there's a certain orientation uh, with the bases uh, in that the smaller ring it always points kind of like a southwesterly direction-ish. Um, Basically, you'll see that all the kind of bonds to form the hydrogen bonds on one side um, for both uh, base pairs. So, yeah. Um, let me just read this small paragraph. The shapes and chemical structures of the bases allow hydrogen bonds to form efficiently only between A and T and C and G because atoms are able to form hydrogen bonds. Um, can then be brought close together without distorting the double helix. As indicated, two hydrogen bonds form between A and T, while three form between C and G. The base pairs compare in this way only if the two polynucleotide chains that contain them are antiparallel with each other. Yes. So, think about it in this way. Uh, if you have adenine and thymine, both strands are antiparallel currently. If you were to flip that, then they would no longer be, uh, you know, kind of next to each other, and therefore they wouldn't be complementary to each other, which means that they need to be anti-parallel in order for them to kind of form that hydrogen bonding. Yeah. Anyway, let me kind of carry on. I guess. Uh, give me a second. Okay, um, so the structure of DNA provides a mechanism for heredity. So the, the discovery of the structure of DNA immediately suggested answers to the two most fundamental questions about heredity. Whatever the hell that means, I'll find out later. First, how could the information 
to specify an organism be carried in a chemical form? And second, how could this information be duplicated and copied from generation to generation? The answer to the first question came from the realization that DNA is a linear polymer of four different kinds of monomer, strung out in a defined sequence like the letters of a document written in an alphabetic script. The answer to the second question came from the double-stranded nature of the structure, because each strand of DNA contains a sequence of nucleotides that is exactly complementary to the nucleotide sequence of its partner strand. Each strand can act as a template or mould for the synthesis of a new complementary strand. In other words, if we designate the two DNA strands as S and S', prime. The strand S can serve as a template for making a new st- for making a new strand S prime, while a strand S prime can serve as a template for making a new strand S. Now, why, why, if that doesn't make sense, then I don't know. Because basically, what it's saying is because they're both anti-parallel. If you both read them, remember the bases are going to be complementary to each other. So if you just take one strand you're going to form the other strand. And if you take the other strand, then you're going to form the original strand. Either way, you're going to get the complementary strand because they need the complementary bases in order to form the other part of the strand, if you know what I mean. Because uh, complementary base pairing, you need the other complementary base pair in order to form the next strand. That's why. Anyway. Ah. <sighs> Let me carry on. Thus, the genetic information in DNA can be accurately copied by the beautifully simple process in which strand S separates from strand S prime, and each separated strand then serves as a template for the production of a new complementary partner strand that is identical to its former partner. That is true. Okay. Um... The ability of each strand of a DNA molecule to act as a template for producing a complementary strand enables a cell to copy or replicate its genome before passing it on to its descendants. We shall describe the elegant machinery that the cell uses to perform this task in Chapter 5, but I'm not on Chapter 5 yet. Organisms differ from one another because their respective DNA molecules have different nucleotide sequences and consequently carry different biological messages. But how is the nucleotide alphabet used to make messages, and what do they spell out? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. (coughs) As discussed above, it was known well before the structure of DNA was determined that genes contained the instructions for producing proteins. If genes are made of DNA, the DNA must therefore somehow encode proteins, as discussed in chapter 3. I'm lost. Uh, The properties of a protein, which are responsible for its biological function, are determined by its three-dimensional structure. This structure is determined, in turn, by the linear sequence of of the amino acids of which it is composed. The linear sequence of nucleotides in a gene must therefore somehow spell out the linear sequence of amino acids in a protein. Let me read that again. The linear sequence of nucleotides in a gene... A gene is a section of DNA, so the linear sequence of those nucleotides, meaning the sequence of your A, your T, your C, and your G, must therefore somehow spell out a sequence of amino acids. Because if if 
well, we'll get onto this later, but I'll, I'll explain a bit briefly. If uh, if a gene, uh, a, a, a small nucleotide sequence, codes for uh, one amino acid, then loads of amino acids uh, come up in a chain to form a polypeptide chain. Uh, they that kind of forms a protein. That's that's a very simple term, or a very simplistic explanation. Um. Okay, so the exact correspondence, where am I? Yeah, so the exact correspondence between the four-letter nucleotide alphabet of DNA and the 20-letter amino acid alphabet of proteins, the genetic code, is not at all obvious from the DNA structure, and it took over a decade after the discovery of the double helix before it was worked out. Okay. Um, we'll describe this code in detail in the course of elaborating the process of gene expression through which a cell converts uh, the nucleotide sequence of a gene first into the nucleotide sequence of an RNA molecule and then into the amino acid sequence of a protein. Okay. <clears throat> uh, disregard that, that's kind of a load of crap. Uh, the complete store of information in an organism's DNA is called its genome. Okay. Uh, and it specifies all the RNA molecules and proteins that the organism will ever synthesize. The term genome is also used to describe the DNA that carries this information. So basically, the genome is all the RNA, all the proteins, all the amino acids, all the DNA, everything. All the kind of genetic part of 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 a organism, organism the entirety, we call it a its genome, the organism's genome. It includes DNA, RNA you know, proteins, amino acids, everything. It's their genetic information, their genetic code. Okay. The amount of information contained in genomes is staggering. The nucleotide sequence uh, of a very small human gene written out in the four-letter nucleotide alphabet occupies a quarter of a page of text, while the complete sequence of nucleotides in the human genome will fill more than a thousand books the size of this one. This book is quite huge, I'm not even going to lie. Uh, in addition to the other critical information, it includes roughly 21,000 protein-coding genes, which, in brackets, through alternative splicing, close brackets, give rise to a much greater number of distinct proteins. Okay. <clears throat> so, it includes tw roughly 21,000 protein-coding so this kind of our human genome sequence or our yeah so our kind of nucleotide sequence codes for part of B a roughly 20 or well, it has 21000 protein coding genes so let me write that down okay Okay. <clears throat> in eukaryotes, DNA is is enclosed in a cell nucleus. Okay. Uh, if you don't know what eukaryotes are, they are kind of like uh, then they're they're not single celled organisms. They have multiple cells, tissues, organ systems, the whole lot. But basically, as 
and mammals and reptiles were all multiple-celled organisms or multi-celled organisms. Uh, so in eukaryotes, DNA is enclosed in a cell nucleus. Um, nearly all the DNA in the eukaryotic cell is sequestered in a nucleus, is basically enclosed, I guess, uh, which in many cells occupies about 10% of the total cell volume. This compartment is delimited by a nuclear envelope or envelope uh, formed by a concentric lipid bilayer membranes. Or oh, sorry, formed by two concentric lipid bilayer membranes. Um, okay, I shall have a look at that later. These membranes are punctured at intervals by large nuclear pores, which are gaps, uh, through which uh, molecules move between the nucleus and the cytosol. It's kind of like uh, the... Um, it's like the cytoplasm, it's just kind of like the fluid inside the kind of... Uh, a nuclear envelope. Okay, um, so the nuclear, so this yeah, so the nuclear envelope is directly connected to the extensive system of the intracellular membranes called the endoplasmic reticulum, which extend out from it into the cytoplasm. Yes, the endoplasmic reticulum runs continuous along the same kind of membrane of the uh, nucleus um, and it is mechanically supported by a network of intermediate filaments called the nuclear lamina a thin felt like mesh just beneath the inner nuclear membrane the nuclear envelope allows the many proteins that act on dna to be concentrated where they are needed in the cell and as we can and sorry and as we see in subsequent chapters it also keeps nuclear and cytosolic Enzymes separate, a feature that is crucial for the proper functioning of eukaryotic cells. In summary, let me just read it out. Summary, uh, genetic information is carried in the linear sequence of, of, of nucleotides in DNA. Each molecule of DNA is a double helix formed from two complementary anti-parallel strands of nucleotides held together by hydrogen bonds between guanine and cytosine and adenine or adenine and thymine base pairs. Duplication of the genetic information occurs by the use of one DNA strand as a template for the formation of a complementary strand. The genetic information stored in an organism's DNA contains the instructions for all the RNA molecules and proteins that the organism will ever synthesize and is said to compromise its genome. In eukaryotes, DNA is contained in the cell nucleus, a large membrane-bound compartment. Okay. Um, and do I need to carry on? Well, if I carry on, then I'm kind of reading, like, ahead and stuff. And for now, I think I'll leave it there. Yeah, alright. Coolio. Um, thank you for listening, I guess. Um, I hope you've enjoyed. And... This is it.